Thank you, Chrissy. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. It's great to be back with you. If you're visiting this morning, my name is Mike. I lead the church here. I'd love to meet you after the service, and uh, it'd be great just to have a chat before you go. As Bex has said, we're starting this uh, series on prayer, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited about the next uh, six weeks as we examine as a church uh, some of Jesus' teaching on prayer in the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I, I don't know what your prayer life is like. I don't know whether you're sort of feeling like an expert or not. I have to confess, I don't feel like an expert uh, in prayer. Uh, I, on Friday, went fishing. I'm learning how to fish, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I went down the river. The river was running very, very fast. And um, I thought I'd go where no one's watching because it's slightly embarrassing being a fisherman who doesn't know what they're doing. So I went quite a long way up the river. And uh, I was standing there. And uh, lots of people come and talk to you, I've discovered, when you fish. So it's actually quite a good thing. And a guy came up to me. And he said, um, oh, what are, you, what are you hoping to catch? And I didn't really know, to be honest. So. <laughs> Michael Ellis has lent me some fishing magazines, so I was trying to, desperately trying to remember the names of fish. So I just sort of said chub and roach, uh, pike, uh, and tuna. And um, the man slightly frowned. He said, is this a good place to fish? I said, I have no idea. I, I really don't know. I'll tell you in a couple of hours. And uh, people were watching, and I was reeling in the line, and, you know, sort of, <laughs> everyone's watching. And my rod started to... And I realized my, my, the hook was actually in a tree on the... Uh, that was really embarrassing. But the most embarrassing thing, actually, was when, um, was when I, I had a group of women watching me, asking me all about fishing. I said, like, I don't really... And, and I'm not... This is absolutely true. I was like, oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> and that, I actually had cast back onto the bank. But I'd been standing there for about 10 minutes, just trying to, wondering why no fish had bitten. So um, I say that because I don't feel like an expert fisherman. I'm learning. I actually found it quite difficult. I got quite discouraged. I thought, I can't even fish. Uh, but then I thought, in a way, that's a bit like prayer, isn't it? That actually we're all learning. Uh, we've all got stuff to learn. And uh, we've got to actually practice. And Jesus promises to teach us. And I don't know whether you've heard of Teresa of Avila. She was in the 16th century. She was a Carmelite nun. She's one of the great prayers in the Christian tradition. And uh, I, I take great heart because she said, um, I have to be honest, um, when I have my hour's prayer every day, I do shake the hourglass to get the sand to go through quicker because I actually find it quite difficult. So we're going to be looking at prayer, and uh, this is a great place to start this year as a church, because we've said all sorts of things as a church, haven't we? We want to be a church that is outward-focused, that really welcomes people, that sees people come to faith. Well, the only way, really, or the, the, the first thing we've got to do, if we really want to see that happen, is actually we've got to be people of prayer. And that's obvious um, from uh, the first verse of this reading from Luke 11. Verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And that is such a significant verse uh, as we think about prayer. Because actually what it shows us is that Jesus himself was a man of prayer. He had to pray. He did extraordinary things. But to be honest, if anyone didn't have to pray, surely it was Jesus. But he was 
a man of prayer. He prayed regularly. And uh, clearly the disciples really were struck by his prayer life and actually asked him to teach them how to pray. When he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And as Bex has said, we're going to be unpacking the Lord's Prayer over six weeks. And this morning, all I'm doing is looking under the theme adoration at the first sentence or phrase, Father, hallowed be your name. So I want to do that today. I want to suggest, actually, three things this morning. And the first is simply this, that prayer starts with the adoration of God. Prayer starts with the adoration of God. Father, hallowed be your name. So it's interesting, isn't it? The disciples come to Jesus. They say, how do we pray? He says, actually, the first thing you need to do is express adoration to your Father in heaven. So prayer starts uh, with adoration. He says, don't bring your lists don't bring your family, don't bring all the really, really serious concerns of the world first. And uh, there are lots of them, aren't there? Hasn't this week in France been awful? Uh, it's just been absolutely awful. But Jesus says, start by expressing adoration to your Father in heaven. That's the place to start uh, in prayer. And you'll know, if you've been a Christian a while, you might not know this if you're new to the faith, that the word Father here is Abba. It's not a 70s band. Uh, It's actually an Aramaic word, which means Daddy. And we often feel a bit embarrassed about this in the church, but Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, say, Our Daddy, hallowed be your name. And this is such an important truth of the Christian life, that we are to relate to our Father in heaven as our daddy who loves us. We can find that a bit sentimental. We might find that a bit embarrassing. We might find that a bit strange. But actually, this is distinct to Christianity, this concept that God is our heavenly Father who loves us and wants us to relate to him as our Father, as our daddy. It speaks of confidence and informality. So don't miss the weirdness of what Jesus is saying here. Don't uh, let the familiarity with this teaching, if you like, dim its wonder. Jesus says, if you're to pray well, the first thing you have to do is relate to God as your loving daddy. And in the Bible, of course, God is revealed to us as our father. There's a whole lot of stuff there. 2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Of course, when we come to faith, we do become children of God. 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. For this reason, John Dawson writes, when Christians pray, they are climbing into the lap of their heavenly Father. When Christians pray... They are climbing into the lap of their heavenly father. So my opening point, if you like, is that prayer starts 
with adoration. Prayer starts with adoration of our Father in heaven. A few years ago, I was sitting at home on the sofa. I was uh, actually preparing some stuff, and um, uh, I was sort of, I don't know what you're like, but I get completely absorbed by things. I was completely absorbed looking at this book, writing some stuff down, and uh, suddenly one of my boys uh, coughed. I went, oh, how long have you been there? He said, oh, about an hour. <laughs> and I said, oh, why are, you, why are you doing that? He said, oh, I just wanted to be with you. This is prayer. This is adoring our Heavenly Father. This desire to confidently come to him and be with him. What does this mean for us personally? Here's a few things. Can we, at the beginning of this year, take stock? How intimate are we with our Father in heaven at this time? How intimate are we? And uh, if you're not a Christian, I'd say to you, the first thing you need to do, actually, is come to faith in Jesus. And actually, um, he is the person who demonstrates our Father's love. He's been sent by his Father. So the first thing... If you're sitting here this morning and you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, I'd say, do come to faith. And um, as you've heard, we are running an Alpha course at the beginning of next month. That's a basic course explaining the basics of Christianity. And we'd love you to come along. We'd love to help you with your spiritual journey in whatever way we can. But what if you're sitting here today and you've been a Christian a while? Uh, I'd encourage you to take stock. How close are you? presently in your life to your Father in heaven? It's a really, really important question. Uh, Whatever you do, watch the spiral. Have you ever got caught in the spiral? Do you ever find yourself in your Christian life, in your spiritual life, just walking in circles? You sort of get stuck with your relationship with God? Is that just me? And sort of the days pass, and, and the years pass, And you just get stuck. It's kind of, this is how you do it. This is how you do the relationship. If you've got stuck, if you've lost connection with your Father in heaven who loves you, do get off the spiral and actually be proactive and actually resolve this year to relate to him in different ways, in deeper ways, and seek to do what you can to actually really follow Jesus' teaching, which is a very simple teaching, but a very, very deep one, that we're to relate to God as our daddy in heaven. And it's important that however you've taken stock, whether you're thinking, yes, I've got this, I'm walking in this, or whether you're thinking, gosh, yeah, I've forgotten all of that, or to be honest, right now, I'm not even sure I believe in God anymore. Just remember this one thing, would you, that's really, really important. Your heavenly Father loves you and is for you, not against you. Not many uh, Christians have actually grasped this truth. Uh, there was a Catholic priest. He, he'd listened to confessions of people for over 20 years. And he was asked, you know, You've heard so many people just confess what's going on in their life. Uh, You know, what's the one thing? What's the biggest confession? What's the biggest problem? 
He said this. Most Christians don't seem to know that God loves them. So, should we do something risky this morning? Should we close our eyes? No one will get hurt, ladies and gentlemen. It's okay, the children have gone. Um, <laughs> close your eyes. Put a hand on your heart, wherever you can find it. I always struggle. I never know whether it's left or right. But just put a hand on your heart or chest. And then just say this out loud. God loves me and thinks I'm amazing. On the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. God loves me and thinks I'm amazing. It's very important that we know that truth in the deep places of our hearts and the deep places of our lives. So point one, I'm suggesting prayer according to Jesus starts with the adoration of our Father in heaven. I guess point two, this raises the question, well, why adore him? Why adore him? And uh, we've looked at the father bit of the father, hallowed be your name. What I want to do now is just briefly look at the hallowed bit. Why does Jesus say, hallowed be your name? Father, hallowed be your name in the Lord's Prayer. What does hallowed mean? The dictionary definition defines hallowed as sanctified, consecrated, highly venerated. It's like the hallowed halls of great universities is one example. To hallow actually is to make or set apart as holy, to respect or honor greatly, and to revere. And, uh, you know, people, as people, we often use hallowed to refer to someone we treat with awe and respect uh, because they deserve it. So that's what hallowing is. So why does the Lord's Prayer contain the phrase, hallowed be your name, your name? Basically, um, I don't know about you, but I can understand why God himself should be hallowed, but why should his name be hallowed? Have you ever thought of that before? I can understand why God should be hallowed, but why should his name be hallowed? To understand this, we need to actually understand the context of this prayer, which was the Jewish culture of the time. And actually, Jewish people at that time had a very different approach to names than we do today. To a, Jew, uh, to a Jewish person, a person's name was, was more than just their name or a physical identifier, if you like. Their name also reflected their nature and their mission in life. And uh, Jewish people really took great care in naming their children. They still do today, because their names are, are, are far more than just uh, Mike, or that's your label, Mike, that's what people will know you by. It speaks of identity, personality, life mission. And uh, actually, as you'll know, the Jewish people had quite a few names for God in the Old Testament, and uh, they actually considered God to be so holy, they hallowed him so much, they refused even to say them out loud. Think about that. So God's names were, and still are, so holy to Jewish people that they actually never write his name in full for fear of bringing disrespect to God. This is the sense of hallowing. So in the Lord's Prayer then, the phrase, hallowed be your name, is there because God himself is not just holy. His name is holy too, Jesus would say. That's what he was teaching his disciples. And that's why we have to be careful how we use God's name, not take it in vain. And um, we need to honor and hallow his name. So this is important as we think about adoration. Because yes, Jesus says, approach 
God as your daddy in heaven who loves you. Approach with informality, with confidence, with, with joy and, and confidence of his love for you. But also hold that with a reverence and awe of the holiness of this father you have in heaven. So we hallow God because he's holy. We hallow God, I suggest this morning, because of who God is and what he's done. And we hallow him because who God is and what he's done has had dramatic consequences for us in our own lives. What has the Father done? Why is he worth adoring, I guess this begs the question. Well, our Father has revealed himself to us. He's forgiven us. He's moved us from one kingdom to another. He's given us a fresh identity. He's offered us a life of intimacy lived with him. He's given us purpose in our life by calling us to himself and offering us life and life to the full. Father actually means life giver. And he's uh, given us unlimited opportunities to flourish and find life, to have a purpose through the gifts he's given us. He's even opened the way of eternity for us by defeating death on a cross. Extraordinary thing our Father in heaven has done. Extraordinary thing we're caught up in as Christians as we come to him. Uh, If that's not worth our adoration, I'm not sure what is. To be honest, it beats a great pair of legs or a six-pack, doesn't it? But what does that mean for us personally then? Uh, As we come to God our Father, as we seek to hallow his name, how do we actually do that? The starting step I want to suggest this morning, the most crucial, more than anything else I'll mention later, is that we become people of the Spirit. And we learn how to actually encounter the presence of God and enjoy being with him through his spirit. This is really, really important. Paul writes to the church in Rome, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. It's only by the Spirit you or I can actually cry, Abba, Father. It's only by the Spirit that we have any chance of actually understanding what Jesus is talking about here and actually experiencing it. In the absence of the Spirit, we can understand this doctrinally, we can understand this theoretically, but in practice, our experience of this uh, way of relating that Jesus recommends we adopt actually will be cold and distant. It's only through the Spirit that we can actually experience the relationship, uh, uh, can actually pray in the way that Jesus wants us to. The truth is, I don't know about you, but it's only by the Spirit that we can actually encounter the goodness of the Father. It's only as we wait on the Spirit that we actually uh, discover in our deepest hearts that God delights in us, he loves us, and he longs to spend time with us. It's only by the Spirit that we discover that we're actually really important to God, that he really is for us, not against us, that we're actually rather special to him. It's only by the Spirit we can really, really get this in the deep places. 
It's only by the Spirit, as we spend time with our Father in heaven, that we can truly, truly understand that God actually wants to listen to us, that he hears us, that he respects us. It's only as we wait on the Spirit in the uh, Father's presence that actually we know that God loves us and accepts us, despite our failings, despite all the things we do, our imperfections. And it's only by the Spirit that we know actually that God doesn't really desire for us to be perfect. It's the only way we can do this. It's only by the Spirit as we spend time with our Father that we can actually be healed and and, uh, confident of his life, love and power in our life. It's the only way. So are we people of the Spirit? Are we people who know how to access our Father's presence? Are we people who know how we actually access our Father through the Spirit? It's so, so important. So, so important. Without this reality of relationship, without this intimacy that the Spirit imparts and brings, we'll always slightly feel, "Mm, uh, mm, I think I'm missing something here. And the honest truth is you will be. Because only the Spirit, according to the Apostle Paul, can make this a reality for us. And that's why, as a church, we need to grow in the things of the Holy Spirit. We need to go much deeper with the things of the Spirit. In our life groups, they're so important because they're places where we can practice waiting on the Spirit, praying for people in the power of the Spirit, moving in the gifts of the Spirit. This is why it's so central and fundamental to the Christian life. That's why our ministry team here is really, really important as we train people how to pray for other people in the power of the Spirit. That's why it's so, so important. That's why nights like Kingdom Come on Thursday night are really, really important when we gather as a church. Uh, It was so exciting uh, to hear that uh, we had people of all ages from sort of 14 to 85 at Kingdom Come, all worshipping God, waiting on the Spirit. That's why these nights are really, really important and why I just diarise them when they come. So my second point then is that we worship, sorry, prayer is about adoration and we are to hallow God's name. And we do that by becoming people of the Spirit. Are you with me? There's one more. This is the final thing I want to say. Okay then, if prayer's about adoration, if we're to hallow God's name, we can only experience the reality of our Father's love for us through the Spirit. Well, how do you do it then? How else can you do it? I've spoken about the importance of being people of the Spirit, but I want to just throw out a few ideas, practical suggestions for you to consider this year with your relationship with your Father in heaven. So you can be someone who who really follows what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer. Here's a few practical suggestions, okay? I encourage you to to develop your own rituals for connection with your Heavenly Father. We, We need to put into place rituals and practices in our lives 
that enable us to connect with our Heavenly Father. These uh, hold our relationship with our Heavenly Father safe in what is a very chaotic and distracting world. Do you find that? It's not smooth life, is it? It's quite distracting. There's all sorts of other stuff to do. But I encourage you to put into place some rituals that will help you connect with God. The vital things Christians have found down the ages are prayer, reading the Bible, maybe having a quiet time, stillness, fasting, that sort of stuff. And one of the dangers in the church is that we often say to people, this is how you do it, follow these rules, Bob's your uncle. Actually, God has created you intimately and uniquely. Uh, You have a very unique relationship with your Father in heaven, and your responsibility really is to work out yourself how you connect with him, and do that. And uh, as a church, we'll help you uh, with uh, what you think you need help with, but ultimately, it's your responsibility. What works for me won't necessarily work for you. Life's not like that. We're, We're all more complicated than that. And uh, if you're finding what you've done for years on end, I've had this a lot. I've, I've had a certain approach to this. And then I discover, oh, it's actually become really boring. Or it's actually not working. Well, just check it out and try something new. Try something new. And think about your life stage. If you've got young children or, you know, actually be realistic, you know, about what you can do. And don't feel guilty if you can't sit there for an hour and a half studying your Bible every morning. Just develop a spirituality on the run. Secondly, pray small prayers to your Father in heaven who loves you. You know, um, often we think we have to pray really big prayers. Let's just pray for the world. Let's just pray for this whole massive country and situation. I do that myself. It's really, really important. Please hear me right. But actually, if you want to actually have a life of dependence with your Father in heaven... Uh, Pray the small prayers, the sort of, um, hey, God, would you just help me today? Um, I really don't want to do this. Would you help me? Hey, God, you know, at work, I've got this tricky meeting. Would you help me? Would you help me? Hey, God, uh, I'm just about, I'm just losing patience with my children. Would you just help me stay calm? Whatever it is, these small prayers are important because they actually show dependence. You know, you can have a life of, let's pray the big prayers, and being, but actually, you, you miss day-to-day dependence on your Father in heaven who loves you. So there's no such thing as a trivial prayer, or is it really, really, really appropriate? Some Christians, it's kind of like, can I really pray that? Can I really pray for a car parking space? I would do, because it's a sign of dependence on God and trust and faith in the everyday warp and woof of life. Did you like that phrase? I don't know where that came from. It just popped into my mind. So let's move on. Thirdly, become aware of the danger points in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You know, what are the triggers that have actually undermined your relationship with your Father in Heaven? When have you felt let down? What have been the disappointments? What has caused your sense of disillusionment, doubt, or pain? Where are the frustrations? What causes you to sort of have a bit of a hissy fit with him? It's important if you're to protect that relationship that you, you know these things, that you, you, you know these things that ruin your relationship because then you can change, you can start speaking to him about it and start changing things. 
It's really, really important. Next, protect your history and story with your Heavenly Father. This, I think, is really important. That actually we're people who who know what our story is. We record what God has done in our life. We hold on to our testimony. You know, I came to faith 20 years ago. I've forgotten a lot of what happened in the early days, but it was a big change for me. I was 100% screwed up. And uh, God met me, uh, has transformed me. And today I'm just 70% screwed up. But that's a cause of celebration, right? That's something to celebrate. And in the Bible, as Christians, we're encouraged to record our stories. I'd encourage you to write down what God has done in your life. Write down what God is doing in your life at the moment. Because if you're like me, you can end up sort of thinking, gosh, where is God? Uh, I I don't really feel you. Where have you gone? Blah, 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 blah. But actually, we need to just be people who guard our stories. Make sure that you celebrate the times when you do connect with your Father in heaven. You know, often I think people feel like failed Christians, don't they? Oh my gosh, I never read the Bible, I don't pray enough. Celebrate the times of intimacy with your Father in heaven. It's really, really important. I had one the other day. I was just, um, it was late at night, everyone had gone to bed. I was just sitting in our little room, just, it was, I don't know how you describe it, drawing room, sounds a bit grand, but spare room, I don't know. And um, I just felt the presence of God really encounter me about five minutes, I thought, I, I just hold on to that, I celebrate that. Because the way life is, the way the spiritual life is, as we look, people down the ages, you don't have this deeply sort of, whoa, Father in heaven, whoo. That's not what spiritual life is, is it? There are challenges, there are pressures, there are stresses. Even Jesus didn't do this sort of connected thing all the time. He was sort of, you see him under stress and pressure. And that's why it's important that when we do have those moments when you're out and you see a tree that, God, you think that's beautiful or God speaks to you through it or you're in the supermarket and you just see an interaction between people and you think, gosh, wow, God, that's amazing. That we celebrate these things. The Lord is with me and we remember these things. Ask your Father in heaven to heal you and uh, bring wholeness to you. Keep doing that. I'm 70% healed, right? I've been going 20 years, 30% healed. Well, he's done that. Just keep asking your Father in heaven to heal you and help you with the things you're struggling with. It's really, really important that you don't just lose hope and do that. Oh, I've, I've prayed that prayer before. I've done it before. And you give up. And then I've got two more. This will sound a bit weird, this one, but it's really important. Aim to create a future love story with your Father in heaven. Aim to create a future love story with your Father in heaven. As you take stock of your relationship with God, as you hear Jesus' words to have this intimate relationship with your Father, where where do you want to be? Where do you want to be in two years' time? or in June this year, or in five years' time? Where do you want to be with him as you seek to adore him, as Jesus would want you to? What are you going to practically do to get there? Really, really important. Don't just drift. Don't just do the, oh, year, another year gone, another year gone, another year gone. Stop and be proactive. 
and take this seriously. And then finally, refuse to give in or bump along. Refuse just to give up as a Christian and do that sort of sleepwalking Christian thing. You know, this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I came to faith, yeah. Yeah, God did that. Yeah, that was all 20 years ago, yeah. I'll, I'll keep coming to church, and yeah, I'll just bump along. And... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Bloody, bloody, blah. Bloody, bloody, blah. Refuse to do it. It's easy to become tired. It's easy to become cynical. It's easy to uh, forget the wonder of this God that we're called into relationship with. See, God, your Father in heaven, has more for you, and so always have hope. I love Paul's words in Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to the Father who is able to do measurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Measurably more than we all ask or imagine. Have you given up? on that truth. So according to Jesus, prayer starts with adoration of our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Amen.